Today's episode of Jimmy Podcast Roll may contain explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, what's up? Before we get started with today's program, I want to take a few seconds to talk about my website, social media accounts, and podcasting platform. The website, jimmypodcastworld.com, that is jimmypodcastworld.com. On the Jimmy Podcast World website, you will be able to find links to all my social media accounts and podcasting platforms. On the homepage, you will be able to find a direct feed to my Twitter account. You will find an interactive photo gallery with all my recent guests on the podcast. You will find a blog that is updated frequently. Are you also scrolling through social media right now and trying to figure out if I'm on that platform? Chances are you are on some form of social media. Check this out. You can find me at Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitch TV. That's right, baby. We're on Twitch. All those platforms at Jimmy Podcast World. At Jimmy Podcast World. Are you more of a visual episode person? YouTube has some of my full episodes, short clips, skits, and my newly released Jimmy Podcast World ad. For Twitter and Snapchat, you can find me at Jimmy Pod World. Want to listen to the podcast? The website has the links to all the major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts. Are you loyal to the Joe Rogan experience and making the move exclusively to Spotify just like he did? Well, now you have the best of both worlds because not only are we on all the other platforms mentioned, but we're also on Spotify. So looking for, to support the program, it is easy as liking and subscribing to all the podcasting platforms and all the social media platforms where you can find me. Are you still looking for more ways to support? Believe me, we appreciate it if you do. You can also share the podcast on all platforms and social media accounts as well. And for those of down since day oneers out there, you can show off by visiting the merchandise page, hats, shirts, stickers, and more. And one last way, are you already on Amazon? And if so, you should be using Amazon Prime. How does that support the Jimmy Podcast world? If you go to our website, at the top of the website, there is an Amazon banner. Click on that banner. And before you continue shopping on Amazon.com, make sure to save that link and bookmark it to your web browser. Every purchase you make through our link from our website that you save to your web browser has Amazon throw back a couple of pennies our way. Lastly, any feedback or ideas you think you could be a guest on the show, please email jpw at jimmypodcastworld.com. jpw at jimmypodcastworld.com. As always, thank you for your love and support and feedback. And now on with the show. Give me sports. Give me tacos. Give me the world. The Jimmy Podcast World. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Jimmy Podcast World. And with us today, he might be number seven or 11 on the jerseys, but he's number one in your hearts. Welcome back, Dennis. Thanks, y'all. How's it going, dude? It's going good, man. How have you been? Um, all things considered, good. Surviving. <laughs> um, trying, to, trying to navigate my way through, through both life and, and social media and everything else and Trying to get this podcast to continue going, it's very difficult to do this podcast either by myself or um, on the phone or via FaceTime or um, or anything of that nature um, because, you know, a lot of the times you, you don't have um, the ability to have people 
here in person. Uh, so thank you for, I guess, braving, braving everything and, and coming on by. Yeah, we're social distancing. Like, we're six feet apart. This is six, and then, yeah. And then we're drinking uh, some swirls. So killing off whatever germs are coming into our body, I guess. Thank you, sir, by the way, for these. Um, you can take me out of San Jose, <coughs> but you can't take the swirls. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. Anyways, um, so when I first started this podcast, uh, there was a couple of topics and people that I wanted to have on. Um, baseball was one of them, and it was with you, sir. Um, so it's it's uh, it's an honor uh, to have you here today to talk baseball. I've been looking forward to a podcast where you and I could both sit down and just talk good old-fashioned baseball. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. So um, Hopefully I don't disappoint. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> dude, uh, not at all. Um, I don't think anyone's listening anyways. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, one of the things that we're here to talk about is we're here to talk about um, – well, obviously baseball, but we're also here to talk about um, the recent documentary um, with Sammy Sosa and uh, Mark McGuire, uh, Long Gone Summer. Uh, let's start. Let's start with just your thoughts on the documentary. As a documentary, as a fan of documentaries and a fan of sports documentaries, and ultimately a fan of documentaries that involve baseball, what did you think about the documentary? I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, that. That summer of 98, that was like a very memorable summer for me. Um, like I had just graduated high school and I just started like my first um, legitimate job and everything. So that was a very life changing summer. And then with that happening on top of it, it was it was very memorable. Um, and then I just really enjoyed the documentary because, you know, it was following one of my favorite players when I was a kid. Um, who got traded away and ended up being on my second favorite team. Um, and then just, you know, just all the, just everything that was happening around baseball, just, you know, just reviving the sport and just reliving that summer all over again was was a lot of fun to just watch everything. And now that I'm older and now that I have a little bit more perspective of, you know, what actually went on during that summer and everything, um, it was just, it was really enjoyable for me to watch. <clears throat> what were um what were your earliest earliest memories of baseball like when when do you remember becoming a fan um it could have been a first game it could have been uh, that you attended or a first game that you watched um uh who had influence in you in liking baseball what was it that ultimately had you gravitate towards towards baseball well i don't remember my first game um but I remember going to a lot of games when I was a kid. Uh, you know, growing up um, in Gilroy, for us to go to a game, uh, we'd always go to A's games, and then every once in a while we go to, to Giants games too. But it always seemed like an all-day ordeal. Like, it always felt like we were, you know, up at 6 a.m., you know, packing lunches and then heading to the stadium, sitting in the nosebleeds, and just staying there all day. Like, we get there super early, we'd tailgate, we go watch the game, and then after the game, we tailgate again a little bit longer, and then we just drive home. And it just seemed like it was just an all-day event. Um, but it always seemed like whenever it was summer and whenever we were at the dinner table, we always had a baseball game on. It was it was typically the A's, um, but you know there's always a game on all the time. Um, I'm just like my mom. My mom and I we will watch any team at any time. Um, 
just because we we just love the sport so much. Um, so like, yeah, like my earliest memories was just going to the park all day long, and then you know trying to getting there early, trying to get some batting practice balls in in the outfield when they used to let you watch the whole batting practice. So yeah, I guess. <laughs> by 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 far your um by far your most favorite sport yeah definitely um i mean there was a time when i did fall out of love with baseball when i mean they talk about it in the documentary but i was one of those people in the strike of 94 um like i just i just lost interest uh like it just wasn't fun for me to watch um so when baseball came back in 95 i was i was kind of over it and it was actually it was actually probably like a good thing because at that time I was just getting into high school. Um, music was becoming more of my life and I was falling out of sports, but I'd still wanted to fill that void of baseball. So I started watching other sports like hockey and basketball. And my parents didn't really watch any of that at all. It was just baseball and then some football sometimes. Um, but I really started getting into other sports. So even though the strike of 94 pushed me away from the sport that I loved so much growing up, it actually made me appreciate other sports a lot more and just get more involved and learn, you know, about other sports too. So what was it about, what was it about the strike that ultimately rubbed you the wrong way and, and, and in essentially to some extent forced you away from the game? Uh, was it billionaires versus millionaires? Was it just kind of like, you know, like, was it ultimately evident that they probably don't care about us and it's, it's a business. Uh, what was it that kind of pulled you away from the game once it came back? Um, I mean, I was just so disheartened by the strike that at the time um, I felt that the players were just being greedy. I mean, they were, they were playing, they were being paid, you know, a ton of money to play a kid's game, a game that I would have played for free at any time. Um, and I just felt that the players were kind of greedy Um just, you know, over contracts and, and everything of the sort. Um, I mean, as I've gotten older, I've, got, I've gained a little bit more um, understanding of, of everything and why it did happen. Um, I, I still think it's kind of silly about everything. Um, but that's what pushed me away from the sport and just made me lose interest because, you know, growing up, I was like, oh, wow, they're playing for the love of the game or they're doing it for this or they're doing it for that. And then, you know, money comes in the and the talks and like it's well we want more money or you know we we want this and we want that i mean it makes sense because you know people in their in normal day jobs you know they'll they'll have the same type of disputes but it's not over millions and millions of dollars it's you know over you know 50 cents or right <laughs> or like 20 bucks or whatever a C- couple <laughs> of bucks a couple of bucks to feed to feed family and just be able to survive yeah um is there is there any resemblance to what's going on what's going on now with baseball and trying to get some games going? All things considered, there is a pandemic that we're dealing with, but is there any resemblance to that now? Because I, I strongly feel, um, I've posted often about it, that I don't think this is about a coronavirus. I think at first it was. I think at first it caused uh, the season to be put uh, on, you know, on pause, put on hold, and and as they as they've looked at things, it feels like it's now become about money. Um, players wanting 
uh, prorated salary 100% of, of it. And at one point, the MLB saying that they wanted uh, to only pay them, I think it was something like 20% of their salary. Or I think that was for like the highest paid players or something like that. Um, so we have now a, a difference of, of, of money again. I think that we could have had a season. Yeah, there's a lot of teams now reporting that players are testing positive. But um, I think at one point it was just people... Uh, teams and players wanting to uh, kind of have this dispute over money. Um, there is loss in revenue. I do understand that there's loss in you know parking lots, uh, concession stands. Uh, they still have their TV deal. So long as they can meet that, a, a huge portion of what they make is right is off of their TV deals. Um, is there some resemblance between now and then to that? I mean, there there it's not like there's a strike looming or anything like that. But do you see any 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 resemblance to that now? Uh, not so much. I mean, it seems like there's more discussion, uh, a lot more back and forth with everything. Um, you know, there was talks of doing like an 81 game season and then dropping it down to like 50 and then back up to 72. And now they're talking about doing like a 60 game season with, you know, full salary. Um, I mean, I think money is part of it, but I think the bigger thing is just, you know, I mean, it's, it's all about being, you know, healthy and, you know, people's lives yeah i mean even even with the nba they're they're trying to get the rest of their season under the way but you know there's there's things holding that back as well i mean they're not they're not having like money discussions they're having more of like well is this the right time because there's other things happening in life right now that are a little bit more important Mm. um as opposed to you know a game where we keep people entertained but the other thing too is like it's it's affecting like you said, people that work in the parking lots, people that work in concessions, you know, that the entire, the entire league and all the teams, they're all losing money. Every, I mean, everybody with the pandemic right now is, is losing money and how we would all love to, you know, have everything go back to normal again. I don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Um, and I don't think it is really like a money type of situation. I think it's more of like, you know, just a health concern for everyone. Um, on that topic, uh, there, there, there is a lot to consider when not having a season, um, me, myself being a huge, um, a huge fan of, of MMA of the UFC. They, they, they're having, they're still having fights. Uh, they're, they're, they are losing money, but they're, they are putting fights to meet their TV requirements. Uh, but there is a lot, as you mentioned, there is a lot of, of, um, job loss and um uh opportunity to to make more money with with uh with not having fans in attendance we're not allowing to have workers there um one quick story that i have is um uh that baseball um or sports i guess in general aren't just being affected um here in the states uh but their scouts there's you know Major League Baseball has a reach that's beyond this country and it's 48 states uh, here and then, you know, obviously uh, 50 total. But um, um, Albert Pujols just uh, announced that he was donating uh, about five months salary to uh, uh, the staff um, in in the Dominican Republic, totaling $180,000. Uh, so there's there's stuff like that going on. Um, 
would having a baseball season save a lot of that? I don't, I don't know if it would, but um, it's 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 great to it's great to hear uh, stories like that. It's great to see players uh, come through in these situations. You know, they they definitely have the resources and the money to do stuff like this. Uh, and I just wanted to point that out. It's 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 great to see Albert Pujols, uh, players like him, uh, not just worrying about here in the states, but also you know in in, in other parts of the world where baseball has a reach. Yeah, it's it's really nice that you know there are players that are stepping forward and and donating their salaries, you know, for that specific reason. Um, I mean, it really depends on if you have the means to do so or not. But it's it's nice that there are some players that do have the means to you know <coughs> put that money forward and take care of people who you know unfortunately do not have a a job where they can still provide for everything. What what are so I guess what are your thoughts on having a a season at all? Like, uh, uh, what was the last report? Sixty games was it? Yeah, that's what it that's what it said. Um, last week, I was a little bit more hopeful mm-hmm. last weekend because um, I think they talked about doing like a seventy game season. Mm-hmm. I think it was the last week's proposal was like a seventy game season with uh, 16 teams in the playoffs and then everybody getting paid full. So I was a little bit more hopeful then. However, now, I mean, since it's been a week later, I'm not too sure that's going to happen. I mean, especially with reports with the NFL where, you know, the NFL potentially might have a season or may not. It all depends on how everything is going. And then also, um, I think midweek, Dr. Fauci release an announcement that if baseball goes past October, that that would be, um, that would not be good for the spreading of, of the virus that, you know, the, the prime time would be during this time from, you know, right around now, you know, beginning of July until October. And if anything happens after that, that, you know, it, it could worse or it could get worse. And then, you know, it could spike again. Because they're they're saying they're expecting like a second wave, and that that's mm-hmm. that would be I guess the prime the prime spot for that to to kind of just emerge is is during that time frame. That's interesting. Well, I mean, it's not to get too off sub mm-hmm. too off subject, but like uh, like uh, what was it last week? Florida opened up like bars and restaurants, and then like a week later, they shut everything down again because it yeah. just it just spikes so quick. So I mean, there there is that fear lingering. You know, like I'd rather everybody be safe and healthy and not have baseball than if than you know trying to you know force something to happen and then hope everything goes fine just to you know strip it away again. Kind of staying, maybe going also a little off topic, but um, when things return to normal, whatever that will be. Um, do you think that baseball could benefit from a reduced season or do you like the current, um, the current schedule that we have? Could it be reduced by 20 games, 30 games, 40 games, or do you think the season's perfect as, as is? I mean, if you look at it, it, baseball usually goes, you know, end of March, beginning of April, all the way until the end of October. Mm-hmm. So it's about six months. Um, and that's not even including spring training, which, you know, goes mid-February until end of March. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
I mean, it's it's a long haul. I think what makes it longer is that baseball is happening every single day. It's not like football where it's three times a week, you know, Sunday, Monday, Thursday. Um, but football, it seems like it lasts just as long. I mean, it, it just seems like there's so much more coverage on football. As soon as, like, the Super Bowl is done, right. like, there's maybe, like, a two-week window yeah. where, you know, they talk about the Super Bowl, and then there's, like, a one-week window where they do not talk about any football. And then out of nowhere, they, they're talking about, um, like, the training camps and everything, and they're, or, um, they're going through the draft. And, you know, it just, it just seems like it's just, like, nonstop. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't make it as bad because the game's – aren't happening as frequently however you know with baseball basketball and hockey why the seasons seem so long is because you know they play more frequently you know with with hockey and, and basketball it's like every other day that they're playing a game for the teams but they only play 81 games as opposed to playing 162 um i mean i i do enjoy the 162 because mm. you know i just love watching baseball i will watch you know I'm actually watching the Korean baseball right. that's happening on ESPN. Like, yeah. it's nice waking up at like 2 a.m. <laughs> and then you know just seeing like a random game happening. Um, like when Little League's going on, they have the Little League, Little League World Series. I love watching that. When they have the College World Series for men's and women's, I love watching those too. So for me, I just can't get enough. But for like you know a fan that's just you know casually into it. I totally understand, like, why it seems so long. Like, the games, if you go to a baseball game, you're expecting anywhere between two and a half to maybe four hours, depending on, you know, if the game is slow or if the game goes into extra innings or anything. You're expecting to be there for a while. And there's not a lot of, I mean, there's action throughout the entire game, but there's not, like, a lot of, like, surprising action. Like, you know, when, when you're watching football, you know, it keeps on going. There's a lot of, you know, time in between the plays, but there's always going to be, like, a big play. Um, My there's always going to be a big hit. There's always going to be, like, a huge pass or a huge run. Um, you know, with hockey, it's just, like, nonstop go, go, go. Yeah. And, like, there's it just goes back and forth so much. Uh, with basketball, pretty much the same thing, too. But with, with baseball, it seems like there's a lot of downtime, especially if you're watching a game where it's a pitcher's battle and there's not a lot of, you know, hits going on, people lose interest. I mean, people that, you know, want to see a lot of action, but, you know, they just don't, they don't, I don't think they either understand or appreciate um, just the the methodical thought process, like, that a pitcher and catcher go through to try to, you know, keep people off base and everything. My, um, I'll, I'll say the first comment before it escapes me, but then, uh, um, my favorite uh, question that uh, that irritates me is when someone goes like, "Oh, cool! So you're, you're going to the game? Yeah. When does it end? Mm-hmm. What time does it end? Uh, I I I don't know. It, it could be two hours, man. We could be here extra innings. I don't know. Like, how long does how long does this inning last? I I can't tell you. Uh, I, it irritates me. Uh, that question irritates me. But I also um, uh, what do you call it? I also. I I heard someone say uh, uh, halftime once or something or like uh, overtime or something like that. Like there's just no overtime. Uh, um, but uh, um, yeah, it's one of those it's one of those questions that that I think uh, that definitely definitely irritates me a lot about about when uh, 
when people ask when is this over and it's just like look man it's 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 a marathon not a race like you know um one of the things i like about the current baseball schedule is that there's a game every day somewhere there's a game um and that's what i enjoy um i so often am i driving home from work or am i doing something and could throw on KMBR, and it's more than likely the Giants are playing. I mean, I know that they're, that they're playing, but if I just kind of threw on KMBR, 7 7.15, first pitch. Like, I know that, and that's what I have. I've always appreciated about baseball. Is that it's, it's, it's For me, at least, it's always been there, and that's kind of where I, I came, I became a fan was with um, uh, this, home run, this home run chase that Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa are on. That's when I became a baseball fan. Um, I don't have, I, I was aware of baseball. I would watch baseball, but, uh, I, I, I couldn't say I was a fan of baseball till this home run chase. I think this home run chase really brought me into baseball. I wasn't too, uh, I remember there was a lockout, but I don't remember too much of it. Um, I, it just baseball at the time. It's something that I, it was funny. It's something that I played like little league wise. It's something that I played. Uh, with friends, but it's something that I really didn't pay attention to to um, till after the lockout, till this home run chase. Uh, uh, strangely enough, I, I I never saw my dad sit down and watch baseball. I never saw him sit down and watch any baseball at all. We never had a conversation uh, about baseball till this home run chase. This kind of this kind of gave us something to bond over and to and to um, that had us gravitate towards baseball. Um, he was uh, cheering for Sammy Sosa. He wanted Sammy Sosa to end with uh, with the home run record. Um, I was I was thinking Mark McGuire would end up with it, uh, and and I was right. Take that, Dad. Um, <laughs> happy Father's Day. Happy Father. Hashtag Happy Father's Day. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, we have a neighbor uh, um, still lives across the street, uh, Bill. That um, that he I mean he was a baseball fan. Man, um, he's been old since he's forever. That's how old he is, um, and uh, he's been watching baseball the longest time. Uh, I mean, his knowledge on the game and how much he's seen, uh, uh, you know, spans back decades. It's not that he like read up on things or saw a documentary. He's like, dude, I I saw that. I watched that live, or I watched that on TV, um, and um, that's kind of when we. Um, we would go talk with him, and we'd, we, the three of us would have baseball conversations over Sammy Sosa and, and Mark McGuire and their home run chase, and that ultimately led me to become a, a Giants fan. And I think you've asked this before. You asked um, what sport matters the most. Um, and if there's uh, if I could only want, watch one team win, win the championship, who would it be? Um, I remember you asked that once. Um, Seen as as the Giants have, you know, posted three in the last ten years, um, I would have to say the Cowboys is, is a team that I would want to see win win another title. I don't have to see the Lakers win another one. Um, I don't have to see uh, the Giants win another one. Uh, but I think it would be the Cowboys. But when I if I could answer your question again, as I think I did back then, um, if there's one sport that i would have to if, if for whatever reason i have to end up watching one sport for the rest of my life uh that would mean the most would have it would have to be baseball it would have to be it would have to be the giants 
Like if, if I could suspend those three championships they posted in the last in the last uh, ten years, and it's just one team, it'd have to be baseball. Uh, there's there's a, I think there's a lot for me uh, where I'm emotionally involved with or emotionally attached to baseball. Uh, it's what my wife and I like as boyfriend and girlfriend and stuff like that uh, dating. That's kind of what we that's kind of what what um what we would do. That would be our thing. Like, I guess couples have a thing or whatever it is. We like to go hiking. We like to go this. Dude, we would go to so many Giants games. I think I went to more San Francisco Giants games living here in Salinas than I ever did total um, living in San Jose. Um, I think one year we went to like 20 games. Um, and that's that's a drive, dude. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a bit of a drive from here to uh, San Francisco. What is it, like 90, 96 miles, something like that? Mm-hmm. Um and it would be, it would definitely be a long car ride home whenever they lose. Cause I'd be like, well, they lost whatever. I'd look over at my uh, girlfriend at the time. Uh, and I would be like, uh, um, so man, they lost. She'd be like, yeah, whatever. It'd be the quietest ride home all the way from San Francisco down to Salinas. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess I'll put on KMBR. And I'm like, well, this isn't helping anything. Cause they're talking about how the team <laughs> lost, but uh, I guess I'll put on some music. Like, um, but um, but yeah, if I could answer your question uh, from last time, now it, it it'd have to be baseball. Uh, to me, I don't know how you'll agree with this statement at all, but I feel like there's also a thing about baseball where you have to be, you have to think a little more as you're watching it. You, you pitch count, mm-hmm. run on first, how many outs? You know, what does this pitcher like to throw? What does is, what is, uh, that guy like to hit? Where, you should know? You, where'd you, where should you be positioned, you know, at this point of time? Right. Why did all those guys from the outfield just move that way? Or why did, you know, why, why did, are they playing further back as opposed to, like, playing close up? Yeah. Um, there's a guy on third, you know, one out. Um, why did that guy just steal second? Like, I feel like there's a lot more that you have to do as a fan when you're watching baseball than you do any other sport. And, and, and as easy as I can say this, someone could always sit down right here next to us and say, oh, well, that's the same thing with football. That's the same thing with MMA. All you got to do is knock the guy out. But I feel like in basketball, you just got to make the basket. Like, I don't have to think about the triangle offense. Kobe has the ball. LeBron has the ball. Jordan has the ball. That's it. I, in baseball, I think there's a lot more that goes into just watching the game. Um, I took uh, uh, my sister-in-laws, I, my whole uh, in-laws, I took them to a Giants game once. Um, and we were we were sitting there, and all of a sudden they gathered uh, uh, right on the pitcher's mound, and they were talking. And then uh, one of my sister-in-laws goes, well, what are they talking about? I don't get it. Just throw the ball. <laughs> And it's like, well, there, there's a guy on, there's a guy on second, and if, and if the, if the ball heads out to the outfield, he's rounding third, coming home. So the ball's got to go home. They got to throw the ball home. But if it's this, they got to do that. But if it's that, they got to do this. If it's this, you know, ultimately they'd like to do that. And she's just like, Jesus, I thought it was just as easy as throwing the ball to the guy. And yes, I guess at the end of the day, that's what it is, right? Throwing a baseball and hit it like see ball, hit ball. But, um. What do, what do you think about that? 
as far as like what I said about baseball and how it is a more of a, uh, as a fan, more of a thinking sport. Yeah, definitely. Cause like, you know, you're, you're paying attention. Well, I mean, if, if you're really invested in the sport, you're paying attention to, you know, where the players are positioned, um, where, what type of pitch they're going to throw, how they're going to pitch to somebody, you know, the strategy of like, okay, are we going to walk them? Are we going to pitch at them? Are we going to try to get them to hit into a double play? Are we just trying to get like the single out? Um, I mean, but like you were saying earlier, that could be said about any of the other sports too, Mm -hmm. but you know, there's definitely a lot of strategy and I think that's why, you know, people get a little bit bored because there's, there is a lot of downtime. There's a lot of thinking and, to me, it just makes the game much more interesting because, I mean, sorry. <laughs> I guess, like, the, the, the strategy in, like, let, let, if we can talk about uh, home run hitters for a second, and I guess the one bias that comes to mind is is, is Barry Bonds, right? Um, one would think in baseball, statistically, you're going to fail. Right. Um, if you're doing thirty percent of the job, you're you're considered great. great. If you're doing forty percent, you're you're amazing. Yeah, isn't that isn't that crazy? And I guess in in in, in um, to kind of segue on that a little bit, um, why do numbers matter so much in baseball, where they don't as much in other sports? I think they matter because it it shows like how you stack up. Um, like it, it shows like that you're proving yourself that like, you know, with pitchers, they're, they're concerned about their ERA, like the lower ERA you have, the greater pitcher you're going to be, um, the higher strikeouts you have, the, the less hittable you are, um, for, for batting average, the higher your average is, the better hitter you are. It's, you know, it's, it's a way to measure yourself against the competition and, like it just makes everything a lot more fun, a lot more interesting. Um, I mean, like in the and then like just numbers just ended up just blowing up when, you know, when they were talking about in the book Moneyball, they were mm-hmm. talking about like different statistics. Um, when um, there's another ESPN Thirty for Thirty when they were talking about um, fantasy baseball like mm-hmm. when those when that started they were looking at different statistics for different players and just to make it a little bit more fun and exciting and i think it's a way to like you know just measure like how you do like in specific situations like you know you you would love to know like okay there are there's a runner in scoring position and you have you know player a who hits you know 250 when players aren't in scoring position but you have player b who hits 400 when player when somebody's in scoring position who are you going to go with and it's nice knowing that so you can kind of figure out okay i mean it's also a game of luck too a game of inches i mean you know bill buckner god bless his soul i mean buckner (laughs) it's a game of inches like half inch lower he would have caught it um but uh but it's, it's nice knowing that, you know, if you have a certain statistic, they'd be like, okay, well, my chances are a little bit better if I put player B in. However, it's, you know, 
I could test my luck and have player A in there as well and then see, you know, what happens. But, you know, I want to I want to go with a better option of having, you know, somebody who has a higher percentage to go in there and try to get some runs or advance the runner in any sort of way. And I don't know. I, th I think that's why I like numbers so much is, you know, I'm no mathematician or anything, but, you know, ju it's just fascinating to me that, you know, they they measure these statistics and there's statistics for everything within the sport it's it's ridiculous when they're talking about whip and WAP and war and era and rbis and you know all all this just random number stuff and it's like when i was a kid i was like why does it matter um, but as i got older i was like okay this makes more sense yeah like earlier you mentioned pitch count that wasn't a thing like when i was a kid that didn't mm -hmm. become a thing until i think the early 2000s maybe mm -hmm. late 90s when people were so concerned about, you know, pitchers getting around that 100 pitch mark. Yeah. Because, like, I remember watching games when I was a kid. Dave Stewart would be out there, and he'd pitch easily eight, maybe the complete game. And I was like, okay, cool. Stu's going to be out there. Yeah, he'll knock it out. And if he doesn't, like, he'll at least go s seven, maybe eight, and then Eckersley will come in and shut it out. And then, like, there was a time when they were talking about pitch count. I think it was probably, like, 2003, 2004 when they were, like, making a big deal about it. And uh, I was watching a game with my parents, and I forgot who was pitching, but I was like, oh, they're, they're nearing 100 pitches. They're probably going to pull them soon. And my dad's like, what? I was like, oh, yeah, they're probably going to pull the pitcher because he's coming up on 100 pitches. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, the pitch count. Yeah. He's like, pitch count? I was like, yeah, like, you know, that's the thing they've been doing, like, the last couple of years. Like, when a, when a pitcher's coming over on that mark, they typically try to pull him unless he's doing well or he's feeling good. But, you know, they're trying to save his arm for, like, later. But, like, if, but like when my dad was growing up watching baseball, like, you know, dudes would go out there, pitch, like, 150 pitches, <laughs> no problem, and come out, like, four days later and do the same thing. Like, Catfish Hunter and Raleigh Fingers is just throwing their arm out, be like, all right, whatever. Vita Blue, well, whatever. I'm going to be back in, you know, five days, and I'm going to throw another, you know, 150 pitches or whatever. Uh, and then, like, the last couple years, they're talking about um, – was it the the bat angle or yeah uh, uh like when the ball leaves the bat trajectory like the velocity or whatever yeah, like yeah i forgot the term that they're calling yeah. it but they've been talking about that like the last couple seasons it's like okay that's the new thing that we're looking into launch angle there launch there you go the, the last couple seasons they've been talking about launch angle it's like all right well that's a new term all right let's let's think about that and you know they've been really talking about that the last couple of years they don't talk about load management <laughs> uh, you mentioned Dave Stewart, um, Eckersley, uh, and then you mentioned Moneyball uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, what were your thoughts on the movie? I love the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also love the book, too. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's what really piqued my interest more in the whole numbers game because they weren't just – they pointed it out in the movie, too, but in the book, like, I'm not sure if you've read the book. Mm -mm. Um, definitely check it out. Um, it's a really good read. Um, it gets kind of number-heavy at some points, and it kind of, like, you can lose a little bit of perspective what's going on, but it, it really makes a lot of sense. But in the movie, they kind of break it down, too, where it's like they're not looking at, you know, what a typical ball player looks like. They're not, like, looking at a guy and be like, oh, yeah, he looks like a baseball player. He's 6'2", muscular, good-looking guy. You know, they, they touch on that in the movie, too. He's like, oh, yeah, like, you know. He looks like Fabio. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, he's got to be a great player. But then they were in 
in the book, they're looking at like different ways of like manufacturing runs, manufacturing wins. And that was just really interesting to me because like, cool, it, it gives somebody the chance, you know, somebody who does something a little quirky or, you know, doesn't do something quite normal, but they are able to shine because they have a specific skill set where they can, um, you know, manufacture, you know, ways of getting your team better. The downside is like, you know, it doesn't it doesn't always take into effect like, you know, when you when you have that last second, you know, chance or if you have that last at bat, who are you gonna throw in there? Mm-hmm. You want your you want your star in there. Like, you know, if if it came down to, you know, bottom of the ninth, you're down by one, bases are loaded, you have a full count. Who do you want in the batter's box? Do you want the guy with the numbers or do you, do you want the guy with the name? Typically, people go with the guy with the name. Like, I would put Derek Jeter in there. Like, that's that's somebody that, you know, is like, yeah, he's going to shine no matter how big the, the pressure is. And that's that's something where, you know, that system kind of falters a little bit. Is like there will be some pressure moments and, you know, it, the player just can't stand it. Or I, they not can't stand it, but they just they just don't follow through with it. I would probably go with uh, Juan Uribe, as uh, FD Santangelo said. Uh, he swings with both butt cheeks. <laughs> uh, FD Santangelo also would say, uh, "Close your eyes and just swing. You might just hit the baseball." <laughs> so um, shout out to FP. Uh, is he, is, he's still with Washington, right? He's still doing a play-by-play for Washington or something mm-hmm. like that. But anyways, I think so. Um, how? Uh, how upset were you that uh, Moneyball did not cover pitching all that much in terms of who you guys had on your roster at that time pitching? It didn't. It didn't bother me at all because, like, I mean, me knowing the team, I was like, cool. I knew that we had the big three. I mm-hmm. knew that we had Huddy and Zito and and Mulder, but. It, it didn't really bother me that much at all. But, I mean, it was – and also, well, I guess the one thing that did kind of bother me was, like, their portrayal of Art Howe, mm-hmm. how he was just kind of like mm-hmm. a ho-hum type manager. I think he was a pretty solid manager. Um, but, like, it, it didn't bother me at all that they didn't really mention the big three, even though they were a huge part of that team during that time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, what I – did really enjoy is how, you know, they were coming off the 2001 season, you know, and they lost uh, Damon, Giambi, um, a couple other big names. And then they were able to, you know, pretty much repeat the same thing with a complete different ball club. And that's just, that's just insane. Like you would not expect that at all. Like, you know, you you lose, like, two or three of your biggest stars, and then, you know, you're you're still in it. You're you're doing something right, mm-hmm. um, but you're just missing a couple of couple of key players to push you over the edge. As I was asking as far as um, how numbers or why numbers matter so much in baseball, um, I want to play you a clip here of um, 
the uh, the documentary and get your thoughts on what was said. I say there's a distinction between criminality or morality and authenticity. There are plenty of people in sports who have done things worse on a societal basis than taking performance-enhancing drugs. And on the other hand, some of those who took performance-enhancing drugs are among the nicest people you'd ever meet. So we're in a very murky area if we try to say, well, this guy did steroids and he's a bad human being. Or, well, you know, so-and-so, when I was a kid, never would have taken steroids. How do you know? They weren't available. So I don't make those kind of moral judgments. But I say flatly and with complete assurance that the statistics and, in some cases, the records of people who are known juicers are inauthentic. I know Bob Costas on the documentary. Um, your thoughts on what he said? I mean, when during that season when everything was happening, mm-hmm. I was just happy that you know there was an interest happening in the sport again, and it you know especially my interest brought it back. As a kid, I was always in love with home runs, probably because I never hit one but <laughs> that's a lie i hit one in the inside the park home run dang yeah it was in softball but it was cool hey, how <laughs> inside the park is inside the park man you had to run the bases it's because the left fielder was sleeping on me <laughs> um no but like as a kid i was always enamored by the home run um like in i just remember just you know everything about babe ruth didn't know anything about Her- about hank aaron but you know, I knew about Babe Ruth's records, you know, his his home run record for a season, his, you know, home run record total for, you know, his entire career. Didn't really know anything about Hank Aaron until I got older. But I was always enamored by the home run. Um, and then when that season happened, you know, there was so much attention, again, to the sport. And everybody was just, just watching, seeing what was going to happen next. And... Nobody questioned it. Nobody, nobody thought about, you know, steroids or drugs or anything. Um, it wasn't until you know, when they're being seen by the Supreme Court, um, that that's when I started questioning everything. I was like, well, shoot, I feel like I was robbed. Like, you know, here I am, you know, falling in love with this this sport all over again, only to find out that the people that were doing it were, you know, taking performance enhancing drugs. You know, it, in my opinion, it it doesn't help your eyesight, um, but you know it it helps in a little way, I guess. I don't know. I I don't do any performance enhancing drugs. I don't know if you can tell by my physique or anything. But I, I thought I I was gonna actually we were gonna do a, a test here. Oh, okay. On the podcast to see if you were you were juicing. Oh, okay. Well, if my urine's red, I've been eating a lot of beet chips. Ah, got it. Um, but yeah, like when when they were being testified and everything. That's when I started like questioning. I was like, okay, well, what's real? What's not? And what really sucks is um, Barry Bonds, mm-hmm. who has those records now of, was it 762? 762 yeah. lifetime home runs mm-hmm. and the 71 run. Was it 71 that he played? 762 with? and uh, ended with 70 for, for that uh, record breaking year of the home okay. runs. But yeah, like he, he became the villain. In my mind, he became a villain because, you know, Balco came about and like you know him and like multiple other players were just busted for or allegedly 
using performance enhancing drugs. And he he became the villain. Was he the, the perfect villain? Was he the perfect villain because the, he's an asshole. Um, uh, uh, I've heard I've I know of firsthand accounts from people that have interviewed him in the locker rooms, and he's an asshole. Um, was he the perfect? Was he that like easy villain just to kind of go like because. Mark McGuire just wanted to play baseball, and Sammy Sosa is just happy-go-lucky. He's just happy to be there. Mm-hmm. Baseball's been very, very good to him. But Bonds was like a, that I don't really give a hell attitude about about anybody. So was he the perfect villain? Um, I think so. And, I mean, it, it seemed like he, he kind of embraced it. I mean, after he retired, like, he, you know, kind of softened up a little bit more with the media because he saw how much it, it really hurt him mm-hmm. post-career. But... I, th- I think he was like the perfect villain. What's funny is um, before they showed the the thirty for thirty, they were actually playing a couple of different home run derbies, mm-hmm. and they showed the ninety six home run derby when Barry Bonds won. And what was funny is like watching that. You can tell at that point uh, Mark McGuire was also in it, but Mark McGuire he wasn't as big as he was by the ninety eight season. But in 96, you can definitely tell that his body was changing from, you know, from like 92. Allegedly. Allegedly. And then Barry Bonds, same thing. He wasn't, he definitely wasn't as big by the time it was like the 2000 season. But you can tell that he was getting a little bit bigger. He wasn't as slender as he was, you know, when he was with the Pirates or when he first got traded to the Giants. But what was funny is like the commentator, when Bonds was up at the plate, so I go, oh, and here's Barry Bonds. He's, you know, he's a typical 30 for 30 guy, you know, 30 stolen bases, 30 home runs. He has just over 300 home runs. He can easily have 500 home runs by the time he retires. <laughs> he's a definite hall, definitely a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And it was funny because, like, that was 96. And I was like, dude, fast forward, like, you know, six years, mm-hmm. like when he smashes that record. And then, like, you oh, know, by the time he retires, he has over 750 home runs. Yeah. Like, dude, that I was just, I, I just had a laugh. I was like, yeah, he can easily have 500 home runs. So. <laughs> Bet you didn't know he's going to have over 760. <laughs> 501, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> the price was wrong. But but what's, what's kind of funny, too, is like, even though I despise Bonds by the, by the 2000, probably like around 2000 was when I started not really caring for him. Mm-hmm. When he first got traded to the Giants, I actually bought a, ba- a Barry Bonds poster. Mm. And I had it hanging in my room because I, I really enjoyed watching him play when he was with the Pirates, him and Bobby Bonilla. Like, I thought they were great players. And then when he got traded to the Giants, I'm like, well, I'm not a Giants fan, but I like Barry Bonds. And then, I don't know, things just changed. Like, And then by the time, you know, around like 2000, maybe 2001, like his attitude like that was a little bit more apparent uh, probably cause like, you know, he was in Pittsburgh and we didn't see it as much. Mm-hmm. And then now that he's like in the Bay area, we're getting, you know, more, more used to seeing him all the time. And then, you know, he's making more and more headlines cause he's making, you know, the, the NL MVP and he's starting to like hit all these home runs. But uh, what, what was also funny too, sorry, no good. <laughs> sorry to sidetrack, but what was also no. funny too is, um, I always laughed like, um, seeing Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, or Barry Bonds, like, when they were hitting. Um, 
not not for their swing or anything, but just get, they were so massive. Like <laughs> their baseball pants were so tight, and it just looked like their dude. They were like linebackers. <laughs> it, it looked like like their baseball pants pants were like super tight. The jerseys were kind of baggy, but like it looked like their batting helmets were just gonna slip off their head because like their heads were just like bulging. <laughs> I, were, I was always gonna just like pop right off. Have you seen that picture? It's Altuve uh, and. Um is it Stanton or who's he standing next mm-hmm. to at second base? And Altuve is all of half of... of I think it's uh, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge? Yeah. I, when I saw that, I was like, holy shit. Not saying Judge is on anything. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. But uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They look like linebackers out there, dude. They're just like, how do I explain that your head grew? Like, I don't know. It was just funny, like how how the physique of a baseball player changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like I I grew up, you know, in in the eighties watching, you know, players like Ozzie Smith and Ricky Henderson. Well, Ricky Henderson's not your typical looking baseball player, but it was like guys were like not frail, but they were like they looked like they're they're pretty built, but not like muscular. And then there were also other dudes like Rick Russell who just looked like he just Stood stood up off the couch after you know polishing off like five or six beers, yeah. Or like Wade Boggs, the Wade Boggs challenge, you know, <laughs> seventy beers. <laughs> we got to do that someday. I don't think we'll live, but but it was just weird how like the physique changed from you know just throughout time as well. I mean, Babe Ruth always looked like he just finished eating like a ham sandwich and smoking a stogie before. They, they said he plate. would be drinking out in the outfield sometimes. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but, but knowing what I know now and then when it happened then, it was like, it, it got me back in, into the sport mm-hmm. again. I mean, there were other, like Bob Costas alluded to as well. Like there were other players that did other things that were, you know, highly suspect, um, you know, during prohibition, there'd be players that were, you know, drinking alcohol. There would be womanizers. There'd be racists. I mean, there were there was so much that was going on. Doc Ellis, who you know, pitched a no hitter on LSD. I mean, it's it's a great feat. He pitched a he pitched no hitter. There's a documentary on that, right, on Netflix or yeah. something. I need to watch that. Yeah, that one that one's really good. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, like he. Long story short, he ended up hanging out with a friend like in San Diego or LA or whatever, and then they just like partied all night long because he's like, well, I'm not playing tomorrow, and then like he. He woke up to a phone call at like 7 a.m. and like, hey, just letting you know you're starting today. He was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> just gacked out of his mind. I mean, I mean, players doing cocaine, too, like the Mets. Yeah. Strawberry and Gooden. They would, I mean, they'd just be doing lines and just going out and just playing. But there was. They were doing lines and then hitting in between the lines, man. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there's there's always some sort of controversy that's that's happening. But but there's always, I think there's always going to be. Unfortunately, there's always going to be you know people trying to you know. Either break the rules or at least bend the rules or you know get around to get that competitive <coughs> advantage, um, and it's, I I think just that's just how it is. I don't think they should any asterisk or anything mm. i think all the players who played during the steroid era they should still 
like if they if they're a hall of famer or if they have like hall of fame numbers i still feel that they should be placed in there because you can't take those accomplishment accomplishments away from them yeah they did some things that you know helped them get there but you know there were there's other players that are on the hall that that anonymous know. testing uh Sosa said there was like 104 players on it and five yeah. of them were more in the hall of fame yeah but like you know other players in the hall of fame like did some shady stuff too but yeah. they're still in the hall you can't you can't take that away uh let me ask you this A statement I wanted to make during this was that a lot of times we're quick to judge things. We're quick to we're quick to point the finger and say that to to quote Scarface, "That's the bad guy." In baseball, I think we've done this so much, but baseball as a whole, I feel has 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 you know has turned around as people were 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 doing roids, were doing any PDs. Uh, taking greenies or whatever else they were taking. And they benefited from that. Baseball as a sport was saved by Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and maybe a supporting cast of players during that time. It's not fair to say that there was no one else at that time playing good baseball that was attracting people to watch that. But they were, they're kind of the poster children, right? Ken Griffey Jr. was doing his thing at that time too. And then you have uh, Pete Rose as well. I feel like they've benefited off of guys like Pete Rose, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, uh, Alex Rodriguez, and whoever the hell else you want to name in this long list of guys that haven't had questionable careers. And then they turn around and point the finger at these guys. Is that fair? I don't think so. I mean, they totally benefited. I mean, uh, Bud Selig just like, well, oh, third steroids. <laughs> right. I'm not oh, saying people are watching. Oh, cool. And then after afterwards, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this this happened. Um, yeah, sure, ban them. It's, yeah, suspended. it was. It's it was almost like they were like endangered servants. <laughs> it's like they were. They brought everybody back into the game. You know, they brought attention. They brought a focal point. Back to it, and then, once all the dirt came up, they're like, oh nope. We have nothing to do with it. No, no. We don't condone this type of behavior. Oh, but thanks for watching. Right, yeah. Uh, Ka-ching! Yeah. Yeah, thank you for continuing to watch uh, our regularly scheduled program because of these guys. Um, yeah, no, I just see that and I go like, dude, like, you guys benefited off these guys so much. Um, Maguire and Sosa, and I'll throw in Bonds, although we're, we're, we're gathered here today. Um because of Sosa and, 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 and Maguire. And should those, there's a list of them. Should those three guys, Maguire, Sosa, Bonds, in your opinion, be in the Hall of Fame? You mentioned earlier you were watching that home run derby where Bonds was a sure Hall of Famer. He could maybe reach 500. Uh, for, part of the 40-40 club before he was in, in, in this uh, with, with Roy's and taking all the other PDs he was taking. Um, do these guys, uh, and by these guys, I, I talk about them three as the poster, uh, the poster child for everyone else. Do these type of guys belong in the Hall of Fame? I think so. I mean, they were, I mean, even who knows when they started doing right. the PEDs, but, you know, 
prior to then, they they already made names for themselves. Yeah. Like McGuire, his rookie year, hit 49 home runs. Who does that as a rookie? Nobody. That's And that was a record that stood for like 30 years. Barry Bonds, he was he was a great player. He came from great baseball genes. His dad, Bobby, his uh his fa- or father-in-law. <laughs> his um uh, godfather. Godfather. Willie, it's like uh-huh. like he was born into it and he he rose to the occasion. Sammy Sosa coming out of nowhere. Like I had no idea who Sammy Sosa was until 98. And then by by the middle of 98, I was like, "Oh, slamming Sammy Sammy slamming Sammy Sosa." Yeah. Here he comes. Like you can tell as soon as he hits a home run cuz he's got yeah. that little hop like popping out of the batter's box. Why didn't they throw at him or anyone else after that hop? Because nowadays you you let the bat go a little too high or you let the ball a little too long and you're thrown at. Um, I don't know cuz like there's always been players that will do like some sort of like little celebration, but yeah. I think I think the bat throw Who did the spin? Bonds did the spin. Bonds did a spin against the Dodgers. Never mind. I think he was talking shit. Anyway, sorry. Anyways. No, it's all, it's all good. But I think, like, you know, the bat throwing, I think that's a little bit more disrespectful. Um, like, Jose Batista, the mo- one of the most famous ones. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was, a, that was a huge jack, too. And, like, he just, like, throws the bat. Like, I thought that was kind of disrespectful, but at the same time, it was, like, in that moment, it was, like, dude, we're down, and I just hit this bomb off you guys fuck yeah, I'm going to celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, the next season, they end up, like, decking him. <laughs> but I think the bat throwing is a little bit more disrespectful, but what's funny is, like, we talked about the Korean baseball yeah. earlier, and, like, you know, the bat flipping, that's, that's like, part of their culture. It's like, okay, cool, I just did something cool. I mean, same thing can be said about, like, pitchers when they, you know, strike somebody out, you know, looking, or, you know, they, they end up, you know, just getting a strikeout or getting somebody to fly out. Um, forgetting the name. Uh, There's a closer for the A's. Um, not every. Recent, like today. Um, he played with them, I think, until 2014. Australian, Balfour. Um, was it Balfour? I think so. Anyways, anytime like he would strike out the side, he would just like cuss. Or anytime like he would just slightly miss, he he would he'd be cussing at himself. But hitters would take that the wrong way. They thought that they that he was talking to them, and it's like no, that's just him like just trying to psych himself up. Um, but I don't I don't see anything wrong with you know a little bit of celebration. I mean, for myself, I I try to keep. I cool if if I do something good, but every once in a while it's like, dude, that felt great. Yeah, I'm gonna fucking celebrate. I don't I don't see any issue with it. I mean, it sucks for the other side to be like, well, shit, I just got rocked, and now you're celebrating about it. Fuck you. <laughs> right. It's not. It's not. Um. It is not like Kenny Power status, right? Where. Where you just celebrate and say you're fucking out. You're fucking out. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, I hurt my nose. <laughs> um, I was going to ask something. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, my cough sounds like it's this is, opening. This is LaCroix. Uh, by the way, Facebook, this is LaCroix. Mm-hmm. Not being posted on Facebook, but uh, just in case, it's LaCroix. 
Um, no, dude, thank you for bringing um, um, Aki's um, Swirls, um, Hermitage, and what was the other one? Uh, strikes. Yeah, Strike. Um, that other one was what? what? What was the other one that we were drinking? The Strike Lager in place. That was good, dude. Yeah, I like that one. That was really good. Um, um, and then Hermitage, both in San Jose, downtown San Jose. Check them out. Um. No paid sponsorship at all, but if they're willing to, please do. Um, but this is good too. Um, staycation pineapple mango IPA, I like this a lot too. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for bringing these. Um, where was I? So, talking about these guys' numbers, you said you you feel they that they do belong in the Hall of Fame. Um, I feel that way as well. I feel that way as well because they were also facing questionable pitchers they were questionable outfielders infielders i mean whatever it may be so i also feel like they do in regards to in regards to steroids um let me play you this clip from mark mcguire i want to get your thoughts on this no 70 was in the realm i mean did i did i think 70 was a number no man the, the man upstairs puts you on the surf for some reason and you fight figure it out throughout your years of growing up. And one thing is he gave me the ability to hit a baseball a long ways. And that's out. That's without launch angle and, and all that other stuff. I was born to hit home run, even though in the younger part of my life, I wanted to pitch. Um, so I know inside that that very well could have been what it done. He had. Let me go ahead and play you. Uh, let me go ahead and play you uh, semi sources just to get both clips out of the way. A lot of people say different things, different opinions, but I can say to you, what Mark and I did in '90 was incredible. Doesn't matter if we're never going to make it to the Hall of Fame, but it's okay. I'm, I have a peace with God. I'm happy. I'm great. I got my family. I got my granddaughter. I, I'm good. But I believe that, you know, Mark and I, in '98. Definitely, we shocked the world, and you know, I don't think something like that is going to happen again. So, they're basically both like, "Look, um, we did a lot for this sport. We sacrificed a lot. Um, not all of this was steroid-driven." Not all of this is on us. Um, based on their comments, like what, what what do you have? I think they're just happy with their accomplishments. Like, I mean, especially Sammy. Like, he was just happy to be there. Yeah. Um, like I like I said earlier, like I had no idea who Sammy Sosa was until that season, and then after that, I was like, cool, Sammy Sosa. Like that's that's a name that I should know. I don't know in I don't know him for any of his amazing like defensive plays, but I know him for his bat. Mark McGuire, I I kind of grew up with him. Like you know, me being a fan of the A's, and then eventually the Cards. Once you know, the Cards picked up Tony La Russa. Like I was just enamored by by McGuire. I didn't. I knew kind of about him for his defensive skills at mm-hmm. first base. I knew that he was a solid player, but he was always a good bat. Every time he came up, I knew something 
was I knew something good was going to happen, or at least I felt something good was going to happen. How much does a uh, how much does steroids take away from how good that player was? Um, I wish I had the clip to play you. Um, it's definitely um, I I've said it in this podcast and I say it often. Um, a pretty big fan of MMA. There's a guy that I follow that I listen to has a podcast, Brendan Schaub. He talks about steroids, and when he talks about steroids, he says, this doesn't mean that you're going to have success. Uh, He said, if anything, you have to work harder because you have to make sure that you're taking advantage of this and it helps and it kicks in and and, and you're able to. If anything, he said, paraphrasing, that steroids help you with repetition. Steroids help you with uh, recovery. He goes, I... They, they could not have helped me knock someone out. Not that he took any, but he was talking about just in general, just saying they could not have helped me knock someone out. Uh, so same thing in baseball or any other sport. It helps with the repetitions where uh, where a fighter can do a thousand kicks to a, to a punching bag. Someone on steroids could do 3,000 kicks to a punching bag, making them more ready, more used to giving those kicks. So same thing in baseball or any other sport where the, the same concept would lie in where it might give you more at-bats when you're practicing. It might allow you to recover better. How much of that steroid helps you clear the fence, in your opinion? I mean, for myself, um, I do a lot of running, mm-hmm. and my biggest downfall of why I don't go – like longer distances or, you know, more often is because I am recovering. Um, Like I would, I would love to do like, you know, tomorrow I'm planning on going for a run. I would love to do, you know, 12, 13 miles, but realistically I'm probably going to do like seven or eight because Mm -hmm. I know that my body is still tight from my last run. And if I had any sort of advantage to help me, you know, go further or recover faster, I'm going to take full advantage of it. Um, like for myself, I, I bought a massage gun and, you know, once, you know, I'm done with a run or if my legs feel tight, like I'm just, you know, using that gun the entire time because so I can help myself get back out there and do what I love to do. Um, I'm not saying that I would take steroids, but, you know, for these guys, like, if it's going to help them with repetition, if it's going to help them recover, if it's going to help them get back out there to do what they love to do, I would, I would take full advantage of it. And, you know, who was it in the documentary? Was it Biggio mm. that talked about that? Where he's like, oh, yeah, man, like, if it's going to help me recover faster to get back out there, I would, I would totally do it. I would do it anytime. And, you know, McGuire, when he was like, you know, I love baseball. Like, I wanted to be a pitcher, but I ended up being a hitter. I love this game. Like, if you love something, you will do whatever it is to get back out there and, and yeah. do it again. Yeah. Um, I don't think it helps them. Like, it, it will definitely helps them physically. Um, probably mentally, because, you know, there's, there's that going on, too. But as far as, like, you know, see the ball, hit the ball, I don't think it helps them with their eyesight at all. Mm. That's that's just a given talent that you know ha- you have. You either have it or you don't. Um, Cause like, 
when I was playing baseball, if somebody threw me a changeup, I couldn't hit it because I couldn't see it. But, you know, for guys that have that eye talent where they can see like a specific pitch and they can just they can still just hit it. That's that's a gift that they have that not many people have. I mean, they, they talked about that in the documentary, too, where, you know, when, when Sosa was up to bat, it would be any sort of pitch. He'd be able to hit it. Same thing, uh, I mean, he's not in the documentary at all, but Vladimir Guerrero, great hitter. Like, there were so many home runs where he would hit a home run off his fucking knee. Yeah. Like, he'd drop yeah. down onto his back knee yeah. and still pop it out of the park. That guy had so much strength, and uh, he just had he just had incredible eyesight. If he took PEDs or not, who knows? But, like, you, you can't teach that. You can't yeah. teach what you see. Yeah. Like, you can, I mean, you can to a certain extent, but at some point, it's like, there's some people that will see things a little bit more clearer than you. And taking steroids, I don't think that helps that at all. It, Does it make sense where, like, it helps with repetition, it helps with, it helps with recovery, it, it helps with, it helps with wanting to do that again the next day. Just, yeah, definitely. Um, like, like for myself, I would, like when I go on my long runs, um, like my knee will bother me. And then, you know, I'll, I'll take Advil and, you know, I'll take it, you know, either an hour before my run or, you know, a couple hours after I, I finish my run because I want to try to heal my knee so I can get up, get back out there again. Or if I'm having an issue with, with my arches of my feet or my quads or anything like, or my hip. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna take something to help me recover faster, so I can get back out there and do it again. Mm. I mean, it's also, it's also mental too, because like, you can push yourself through it. Um, but I think that's that's part of the stigma is, you know, some of these guys that were taking, you know, Andro or creatine. They didn't necessarily need it, mm. but it helped their mental fo- or it helped their mentality of like, oh, well, I'm taking this. Yeah, I feel better. It's well, I think it's, it's, a, it's like a sugar pill. It's yeah. like, you know, it's it's there. I take it. There may be something in there that helps me. There may be not. I've always thought, like, the reason why Bonds took this was because uh, McGuire mentioned it in the documentary where he looked at Ken Griffey Jr. And that's like, that's a five-tool player. And that's like that that thing, right? That's that's like that ultimate baseball player, that five-tool guy. He has everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Bonds was that. He was that five-tool player. In my opinion, and in a biased opinion at that, a far better player than Mark McGuire or Sammy Sosa. At least I thought that. Yeah. And maybe he is. And I, it's not. I'm not going out on a limb, but um, it wasn't getting the recognition as a far better baseball player as these guys. No shit, he took steroids at the end of the day. I, no one's looking at me now at 4040. <laughs> Let me just jack some out of the park and like and 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 break this record. Um, with that, um, let me do this. Let me show you how much this show's edited. Um, I need to go to the bathroom. Uh, Dennis, take over for the first time in nearly 30 episodes. Um, I'm not hosting. I'll be right back. Okay. So, uh, we're going to vamp a little bit.
washing his hands at the same time. That, oh, he started again. That might be trouble. You might want to get that checked out. Ugh. But yeah, going back to the... Going back to, you know, people paying attention about Barry Bonds not being the complete player, I think everybody everybody just loves the home run. It's that it's that action that everybody wants. Chicks you know chicks dig the long ball. You know, not not too many people are wild about, you know, great defensive play well, I mean great defensive plays are awesome to watch, but those typically don't get the number one on Sports Center, it's usually hit somebody hitting like a long bomb, uh, a grand slam. You know, it's hitting hitting a home run. Not everybody can do. I mean, if if everybody can do it, it wouldn't be as exciting to watch. Any anybody can can field a ground ball. Anybody could could dive for a ball and luckily catch it. But not everybody can hit a ball. You know, at least three hundred feet. You know, so so with with Bonds, even though he was a great player, like nobody gave him as much attention as he did when he started hitting all the home runs, and it's just because like that's a feat that not that many people can do. There's there's a ton of players that are in the Hall of Fame, don't even have a handful of home runs. Mm. Uh, Wade Boggs, I think he has like what. Maybe 20 home runs total? Not even that? I don't know the stats offhand. Wade Boggs, um, I have him off the top of my head. Uh, Dennis. Jesus. Um, he has... Uh, eight, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, this is off of baseball-references.com. Uh, Wade Boggs, 118 home runs. Batting average is 328. Yeah. War of 91. But he's a great defensive player. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't have a lot of home runs. But how many how many non baseball people know about Wade Boggs? Yeah, or, um, or that he played for Tampa Bay at the end of his career. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, talk, talking about the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm back. Um, you know what I was just realizing? I told you the story before we started recording, where I could hear my dad rake outside. And I, I don't know how much of that was got on, on the mics. I was just realizing that. By the way, uh, when you, I watch my... You heard it. You heard it? <laughs> well... Uh, I, I might have commented on it. You might want to edit that out. Ah, I mean, I might not. Or but anyways, it. just if you guys heard me wash my hands, I did do the ABCs while I was washing my hands to uh, wash your hands. Wait, uh, which, which alphabet were you using, though? Because the English alphabet is 26 letters. Yeah. But the Hawaiian alphabet is like 20, I think. Um, I was using, um, damn, I was using the Spanish one, which I think still has more letters than the English oh, I one. I think it's 28. Something like that. it has E and R. And N. E. Damn. See, you're, you're not just learning baseball today. You're learning different alphabets and different languages, people. See. Si. See. Si. Um, talking about the Hall of Fame. Going down the list of guys here. Uh, we just pulled up Wade Boggs, uh, Sammy Sosa. Uh, you said these guys do belong in the Hall of Fame. Here's Sammy Sosa's wards, 58.6, uh, home runs, 609. 
batting average, uh, career batting average of 273. Then you have Mark McGuire, 62 war uh, home runs were, I guess we'll talk about hits too. Sammy Sosa had uh, 2,408 hits. Uh, uh, Big Mac had uh, 1,626, 583 home runs, a 263 batting average. Um, Barry Bonds had uh, 162 uh, war, um, 2,935 hits, 762 home runs, a uh, major league record, and a batting average of 298, just shy of 300. Yeah, Barry should definitely be in the hall. Even though I don't, I don't, I didn't care for him at the end of his career. He should, he should definitely be in the hall. I mean, just those numbers, just the hits alone. It's like that is that is impressive, because like, you know, he was he wasn't out there just to hit a home run. He was, he was, you know, manufacturing runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, wh- what's for all of them? You didn't men- you didn't mention their ribbies. I'm sorry. R- oh, RBIs. RBI. People uh, call them people that are cool call them ribbies. Ribbies. That, that's what the kids are calling nowadays. The ribbies. Um, Big Mac had fourteen fourteen. Uh, Sammy Sosa had uh. uh 1667. Um, Barry Lamar Bonds had 1996. And if we want to go any further than that, we have. Um, I thought I had King Griffey somewhere on here, but I guess I don't. Um, but yeah, that's what they had as RBIs. So Barry, Barry at almost 2000, Mark at 1400, and Sammy Say It Ain't Sosa at uh, 1667. Yeah, because if, if you look at that, too, like with Barry hitting almost 300 for his career, you know, having 762 home runs, and then almost 2,000 RBIs, like, that's that's a more complete player than, than the other two. Uh, the other two being Sosa and Maguire. So, I mean, I think, I still think all three should be on the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. Same here. Just like I think that well, I mean, they took it away finally, but you know, with with Maris, there shouldn't have been an asterisk next to his sixty-one home runs in sixty-one. There's an asterisk behind Maris at sixty-one. There used to be. Why was that? I'm not aware of that. Because um, in nineteen six, oh, have you have you watched the movie sixty-one? No, uh, dude, you should. Yeah, totally watch it. Great movie. Uh, Billy Crystal directed it. Okay. Uh, Billy Crystal, huge baseball. Huge baseball fan. fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also funny, he's a huge Yankee fan, but when he did City Slickers, he wore a New York Mets hat. Don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> kind of weird. Um, but yeah, that, that movie is great. But in the summer for the 61 season, they changed it from 154 games to 162. And um, there was a lot of debate during that time because mm. when Ruth hit his 60 home runs, it was in a 154 game season. But when Maris hit 61, he hit 60 within the 154 mark, but he didn't hit 61 until the 162nd game. So they put an asterisk next to it because the season was a little bit longer. Mm. It wasn't until, I forgot the year, but it wasn't until after Maris passed away where the commissioner said, or somebody said, a season is a season. It doesn't matter how long yeah. it is or you know how many games there are. 
that's how, you know, that's how we measure everything. Mm-hmm. And at that point, they lifted the asterisk off. Unfortunately, Roger never saw that. The rest of his family did. So there's, yeah, dude, you should definitely check that movie. Yeah, it, it's, I, it's a really good movie. Um, funny enough, it's it's not just spur of the moment. Um, I did have a list of uh, top twenty five baseball movies of all time, and as I was reading through it. Um, I did see 61 on there. And, uh, yeah, it's one that I definitely want to check out. Um, in uh, light of that, and to talk a little bit about that, um, some of your favorite baseball movies, if you can give me, like, at least five, uh, if ranking them if possible, but it doesn't have to happen either. Like, just so long as five movies. Mm. Well... Actually, this one surprised my roommate. Um, my number one baseball movie is actually A League of Their Own. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's funny is like... It's um, good. I just, I, I'm just i surprised that that's your favorite movie too. It's it's my favorite baseball movie. Um, I don't know if it's because of sentimental reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, my grandma took my sister and I to watch that movie when it was in theaters. Oh, wow. Okay. And Tom Hanks is my favorite actor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe those two kind of sway it that way. But that's, that's my all-time favorite baseball movie. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two would probably be Major League. Number three. Number three will probably be 61. 61. Uh, number four would be um, Field of Dreams. Number five. Oh, man. So many movies. Number five would probably be Rookie of the Year. Mm. Henry, oh. Riri, Romo, Rosenbagger. Rosenbagger. <laughs> Rosenbagger. <laughs> Hot ice. You just heat up the ice cubes. It's the best of both worlds. <laughs> little, little up now. <laughs> Throw in the cheese. Throw I, the rock. I like when both announcers are like, it's fair, it's foul, it's fair, it's foul. And oh, the guy yeah. that was saying it was a foul, he's like, uh, he goes, you were wrong again, Ernie. Um, what about you? Um, number one, I'm, uh, for sure, I know number one, uh, Bull Durham uh, has, for me, is number one. That's a good one. I've only watched it one time, but I I mean, I definitely loved it. Yeah. Um, that, for, that, for me, is number one. Um after that, it's probably, I think, Major Leagues 1 and 2. I don't know if they're in that order, though, because I really like 2. And a lot of people don't like 2 as much. I did. Um, yeah, it took me a little while to get into 2. Like, mm-hmm. um, like I was in I was in Little League when 2 came out, and mm-hmm. like a couple of the guys on my team would quote 2. Mm-hmm. So I ended up watching. I was like, this one isn't as good as the first one, but I ended up really enjoying it like over time. Mm. Yeah, so I'd go 1 and 2. I know uh, a couple walls down, there's a small little room back there, and uh, my cousin and I would set up like a TV and a DVD, or 
might have been VHS player at the time, um, and would um, were just marathon major leagues one and two. Like we just watch those over and over and over again. And out of the blue, er, 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 at least once a week, if not more, um, we'll randomly text each other a line, and we're the the next person expected to follow up with whatever happened after that. Uh, so I'll go one. I'll go Bull Durham one, Major Leagues one, Major Leagues two. Um, although those are like my children, I love those two movies a lot. And you know, we watched. We actually watched um, a couple months back. Back we watched a couple movies here, and uh, one of well, the ones we watched was your first time watching um, Back to the Miners. The, the I guess the third movie that followed one and two. I don't want to say part three, but. Uh, Major League Baseball, Back to the Miners. Uh, I thought that was the first time I watched it. And I remember telling you, I'm like, I thought the movie was complete trash. <laughs> I'm like, I thought it was okay. I watched it not that bad. Maybe I just, I don't know. Maybe I was comparing it to one and two. But that that's definitely not on my list. I just wanted to mention that. I, I want to mention that when we watched it last, not a few months back. Um, I actually enjoyed that. That was pretty cool. It wasn't as bad as I originally thought it was i i thought it was a movie and now i'm like yeah it's not too bad um but i'll go major uh, boulder majors one and two so that's three um i will probably go moneyball four um, I, I really enjoyed that scene uh um, amongst um, a lot of that movie was great I had, it was it was just awesome, um, but the scene where um, it's uh, Brad Pitt, Billy Bean, um, da- down there with Jonah Hill uh, in the parking lot, and he's asking him um, what he thinks about certain players, and he goes over Johnny Damon and asking if he's worth that contract, and he's like, no, he's not worth that contract. Um, and he's talking about how Major League Baseball is medieval in that sense that, you know, they they pay, they see a celebrity uh, and what Billy Bean should be doing is buying runs. And um, I thought that was a huge scene in the movie. I really enjoyed that scene. Uh, I play that movie often and sometimes I will start at that scene. Uh, I will go to a couple scenes uh, where Billy Bean, Brad Pitt asking, if he would have been drafted in the first round and he goes like, no, you would have been drafted in the whatever round, no bonus. I would imagine you would have gone to school. And he's like, yeah, uh, there's a lot, dude, I, that movie, I, 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 there are a lot of movies I own. Uh, there's that whole rack over there and there's, there's one, uh, hidden away too. And then there's, I think one in the room and there's a handful of movies that I watch over and over and over again. And do not get tired of them. And Moneyball is one of them. Bull Durham and Major Leagues. So, and then the fifth one I think has more of a sentimental sentimental feel to it. Uh, it is a movie that was quoted um, by Liz, uh, Josue's fiance, at um, our wedding as she kind of was the ordained minister or whatever, as you will. She quoted the movie. It's one of my and my my wife and I's favorite movies. Um, uh, Fever Pitch. That one's pretty good too. Um, I think because of how much baseball played into a lot of dates and a lot of different things that now my wife that we bonded over and what 
dude, you, you saw you were at our you were at our at our uh, wedding celebration at Laguna Seca. Our our chairs were were draped over with Giants jerseys and stuff like that. So it's like, um, so we took up uh, our engagement pictures um, at uh, some of them took them at AT and T or Oracle Park, I guess. Now that's what it's called, right? Um, but um, Fever Pitch is one that we watch as a couple a lot. Uh, I think because the Giants sucked for so many years, <laughs> and so did the Red Sox. And no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, it's. It doesn't even compare on how much one sucked over the other and how much torture there was for Boston. But I, we could relate to that so much. So often, dude. I watch. I think I watch the World Series where the Giants lost to the Angels. I think I watch it twice a year still. I'm sorry. I think I still watch it twice a year. And when the 2010 World Series Championship came to Salinas at the Rodeo Grounds, I was there for that. And and some dude, I think from Kadon, was like, oh, this erases that, you know, two, was it 2002? Mm-hmm. This erases that 2002 year where we lost to the Angels. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Yes, we won. We're champions. I'm happy. I, I'm happy I finally got to see one. Does not raise 2002 at all. Uh, but um, uh, the, the Giants have gone to the World Series and lost it the most out of any other team. Thanks, Dennis. That'll be edited out of this podcast. <laughs> no, oh, really? I repeat. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, um, that's that's a stat. Like they've gone to the World Series the most and lost it. That's why it helps to be a bandwagon fan. You just like the winning years. <laughs> Um, Warriors, Warriors. Wait, what? <laughs> um, shout out to the Warriors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Anyway, so th- those would be my five. I've movies. been a diehard Warriors fan since uh, Baron Davis. Shout out Carl Munoz. We we <laughs> <laughs> we believe, baby. And shout out Josue too. Uh, that was about the time where he uh, started to contemplate becoming a Warriors fan. <laughs> By the way, um, happy um, however many years, two years, three years from the block. Uh, that w- that just happened recently too, um, but anyways, um, those are my five movies. It would have to be money. Uh, uh, sorry, not many ball. Bull Durham one, uh, maybe Major Leagues one and two. Although they're they're both pretty close. Um, and then it would be that's one, two, three, four would be Moneyball and uh, Fever Pitch would be five. Yeah, I. Like I was drawing blanks, but definitely up there would be for myself. Definitely up there would be Moneyball and also Forty Two. Forty Two. I like Forty Two. Mm-hmm. I watch Forty Two. Uh, it, uh, one of the one of the things I wanted to mention. Um, you are sporting a uh, Oakland A's jersey, but you are sporting a uh, St. Louis Cardinals hat. What is it about the Cardinals that would be your number two team? Um, well, it's also. So from the '94 strike, '95, six, seven, and eight, the A's were just so bad. They were, they were horrible. I mean, they started getting getting rid of all their players. Um, I specifically remember before the strike. I specifically remember the A's traded Ricky Henderson to the Blue Jays. And I became a Blue Jays fan um, because I loved Ricky. And then Dave Stewart was also on the Blue Jays too. And there was one, my 
around that same time, uh, my parents actually went to Toronto mm. and uh, they bought me a Roberto Alomar jersey, which actually was my first baseball jersey that I ever owned. Mm. Um, thank you, mom and dad. Um, but they, they bought me a jersey and it was actually before Ricky got traded. So they were like, oh, who's your favorite player on the Blue Jays? I was like, oh, I like Roberto Alomar Jr. Cool. Got a jersey from him. Um, but uh, when the Blue Jays made it to the World Series and Ricky was on the team, I was rocking the jersey. And one of my neighbors like, I thought you were an A's fan. Why are you wearing a Blue Jays jersey? And I was like, wherever Ricky goes, I go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, like the A's from, from 94 through 98 were just not very good at all. And like I, was, I really wasn't watching baseball. And um, my dad, he ended up going on a business trip, and he ended up going to St. Louis, and he, he bought me this hat. And around that time was when Tony La Russa got hired on as a manager. So I was like, okay, well, I like Tony. He did great things for Oakland. I'm, I'm going to keep on supporting Tony while he's in St. Louis. And then McGuire got hired on, and, like, the rest of the coaching staff was, was over there too. So I just, I just became, like, a, a Cardinals fan. Mm. So also during that summer of 98, when everything was happening with McGuire and Sosa, it was like, well, you know, I was rooting for McGuire because he came from my home team. He was a, he was a name that I knew already. Um, what's funny, um, we, didn't, we, we didn't actually talk about that specific day where he broke the record, mm -hmm. um, but I remember that day. Um, I don't remember all the details, but what I do remember is, you know, I was I was working, and throughout the whole summer, um, I was still living with my parents because I would, I just barely graduated high school. But throughout the whole summer, like you know, every morning for breakfast or lunch or whatever, my mom would be like, "Oh, Mark McGuire hit home run number blah blah blah," or "Mark McGuire hit this one blah blah blah," and she was just like keeping me up to date with everything. I was like, "Okay, all right, whatever. He doesn't play on the A's anymore. <laughs> I don't care. All right." And, like, a week before, my mom's like, hey, son, like, he's on, like, home run number 55, and, like, he could probably break this record, like, within the next week or so. I was like, okay. So I I wasn't watching every game, but, mm. you know, I'd, I'd, like, casually watch. You know, I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, I'm, I'm watching baseball again. I'm trying to re relearn everything that I lost over the last four years because during that time in high school, you know, I – stopped watching sports or mainly stopped watching baseball and I was getting more involved in like other sports trying to understand those and then you know becoming more involved with like band and like playing my instrument mm -hmm. and um, I just remember like the day before when he hit 61 to tie the record I was at work and when I got home I had no idea because we didn't have internet or anything at that time and I got home and my mom was like Den, like Mark McGuire hit home run number home run number sixty one. I was like, oh wow, what does that mean? She's like, he just tied the record. I was like, oh, that's the record. I thought the record was sixty because like at that time, like I knew stuff about Babe Ruth. I didn't mm -hmm. know I didn't know Roger Maris. I didn't know Hank Aaron. I mm -hmm. I just knew Babe Ruth, and that was it. And that was just how much I did not know. And then she told me like what happened. I was like oh, wow, so he can potentially break this record tomorrow or maybe the next day. So the next day I go to work, and um, 
and I remember clocking out and then in the back of my mind I was like, oh wait, I think my mom told me that the Cardinals are playing tonight and that Mark McGuire could break the record. So let me get home real quick. And it, like my memory tells me that as soon as I walked in my, my parents' house, I got into the living room and he hit the home run. But, <laughs> but no, like um, I got, I got to my parents' house and I, I like kind of jogged into the living room and I was like, did I miss it? And my mom's like, no, uh, Mark, Mark just, uh, did whatever he did. Um, it's the second inning, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. So I was like standing behind the couch and, um, and then finally Mark comes up for his next at bat and, uh, he hits the home run. And I just remember just like, just being in shock. I was like, oh my God, I just saw history right now. Like, this is amazing. And then when he, when he's like, like they show the home run, like it just barely clears a fence. I was like, oh my God, yeah, he did it. That just made And it. then they shoot, they, they pan back over to him and he like, he's already passed first and then he jogs back to first. I just start, <laughs> I just start cracking up and losing my <laughs> shit. And like, I just remember like our whole family was like, oh my God, what an idiot. Like he, he jogged over first base. You could have been out. <laughs> but yeah, it like that that moment was it was it was incredible it was it was nice that i was able to experience that with my entire family like just watching that moment happen and and just it just made me fall fall in love with the game over again mm -hmm. um i don't remember really much after that part mm -hmm. like i just remember him you know accomplishing the record and i was like okay cool well i guess i like baseball again <laughs> Yeah, welcome back baseball after that. Um, I I guess I, I, in closing, um, you have visited every single major league ballpark in this country, and I think we've talked about it before on a different podcast, but um, uh, it's something that I think, like, for the longest time, like, my wife and I wanted to do for, like, the longest time. We're like, yeah, one day we'll do it. I'm like, this is not possible. And then I remember uh uh meeting you and then over a time period finding out your your love and appreciation for baseball and going like yeah dude i'm pretty close i remember i met you when you were pretty close to to uh achieving all the stadiums when did you start working at oak ridge uh 2013 okay so yeah that's that was that was just before i was like all right i'm gonna do this mm -hmm. at that point i'd already visited seven parks um, but really at that point you were still dude I thought you were like just about to wrap up no. seven parks yeah by 2013 well I visited seven parks by 2009 no 2010 I'd visited seven parks but that wasn't like it was like oh it'd be nice if I did 30 but I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna do that blah 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 so by 2009, I was like, yeah, all right, cool. I hit seven. Well, you know, we'll, we'll just keep on going. And then um, by 2013, I was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna, I'm, I think I'm going to try to make this happen. Like, let's let's see what I can do. Yeah. So, so yeah, by the time you and I met, like, I'd only visited seven. Hmm. But 2014. Ooh. Nice. Thank you. Um, shrimp cocktail. <laughs> um, that was delicious, by the way. It was good mom.com slash bomb um, <laughs> but yeah by when the 2014 season was announced of who was going where 
Um, that's when I, I looked at the schedule. And I was like, okay, like, you know, you know, uh, it would be cool to, like, go here. It would be cool to go there. And then when they announced a the football schedule and I looked, went, because I'm also a Chicago Bears fan. Shout out. Ron, the Bears. Shout out Ron Rivera. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, but when they announced the, the Chicago Bears football schedule, I looked and their home opener was happening in Chicago. Um, and then during that same weekend, the Cubs were playing the Pirates. The, the Brewers were playing the Cardinals, which is only like an hour and a half from Chicago. And then the White Sox were playing the A's. So, like, dude, I get to see three of my favorite teams within a four-day span. Yeah. It's like, yeah, let's do it. So I booked that trip. And then, like, right before that trip happened, I was like, you know what? I'm going to see three baseball stadiums within this weekend. Let's try to make this, like, a yearly thing until I hit 30. Yeah. And that's that's what my goal was. Like, all right, I want to I wanna try to hit all 30 soon and i'm actually glad that that i was able to accomplish it but also with everything happening this year i was i'm super thankful that i was able to make it happen last year last year i hit 30 with the a's playing the red sox and i'm glad that i was able to make it happen last year with my family because if Mm. i was planning on doing it this year yeah i mean with everything that's happening that i mean there there are worse tragedies but i'm glad i was able to make it happen yeah right but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, some sleepless nights of just like planning, you know, what days I'm gonna hit each stadium, and then, you know, there were I mean, there's especially when you go to the Midwest and the East Coast, there's mm-hmm. always potential for like a rainout, and mm-hmm. that was that was the part that was nerve wracking. It's like okay, like, you know, I have a chance to see the Tigers play. Who do they play that time? Whoever the Tigers played, I was like. All right, I'm only going to be here for like, you know, one day and hopefully it doesn't get rained out because, you know, the next day I need to drive up to Toronto to see the Blue Jays play whoever and they're in a dome, so I'm good there. So that was that was the most nerve-wracking part is like hoping that something wouldn't get rained out. Um, but it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Got to see a lot of places, got to meet a lot of people, and it was, it was a really great experience. It, it also helped me get out of my introverted personality too, which which was very, very difficult, especially when I did the Chicago trip. Because when I did Chicago, like I went by myself. And that was the first time that I went on a trip by myself with no friends, no family at all. Which one was this again? When I the first one that I did when I went to Chicago. Okay. I was like, all right, I'm gonna go by myself. I'm I'm just gonna do it. And what was funny is like the night before I flew out, I was saying goodbye to my parents and my dad was like you know, I really wish you would have told me it would have been fun to join you. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, Dad, next year when, when we do something, you know, I'll bring you along too. What, um, uh, what, um, uh, what, the first trip you made to Chicago, what, what team was that for? Was that, that White Sox or Cubs? The first what? The first uh, trip to Chicago. Um, it was, it was to see the Cubs and that same weekend, the White Sox and the Brewers were also in town, and the Bears. That Bears. Um. Out of all the stadiums 
which ones did you were very underwhelmed by? If you could give me three, and which ones were you were like, damn, these stadiums are sick? Uh, underwhelmed. Um, Tampa. I mean, it was, it was cool being in Florida, but I mean that stadium. It's. It's it's in a it's in a decent area, mm-hmm. but like once you're in the stadium, there's really nothing much there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're you're there to watch the game. Um, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, it's in a really awesome area, but the stadium is just so massive. But it also also like the Reds when I saw them, they weren't that good either. I mean, they had Joey Votto, and that was it. Um, so there was really nothing there. Third stadium. Um, how was – did you ever – I'd have to say – sorry, Dodger Stadium. <laughs> you were underwhelmed by it? <laughs> well, I mean, like once you're, once you're in your seat at Dodger Stadium, I love – what I love about Dodger Stadium is like when you're sitting, you know, when you're sitting in – not in the outfield, but when you're in like first, second, or third deck and you're looking over the outfield, I I get so reminded of the Coliseum, the Oakland Coliseum, like way back in the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Coliseum is a dump and Mount Davis sucks. But I mean, that holds a special place in my heart because that's, that's my home team. Mm-hmm. That's my team. And I'm going to love that dump no matter what. Out of all the stadiums, that's, that's a shitty stadium, but uh, we're sorry to cut you up. Where are we in? Where are we? Uh, I, hey, I signed a actually I signed a four year deal with the A's. This is year three, but it might not happen. I don't know. So is uh, that a contract extension? Is it? I'm talking. I'm interested in a contract extension, dude. That that's what I'm saying. Um, where are they in in rebuilding, creating? Uh, the Warriors are no longer there. The Oracle Oracle Arena is is um now. I guess dubbed a like a concert destination, um, but where are where are they? I guess where are they in that? Where are they rebuilding there? Because uh, I did hear th- rumblings of like they're interested in giving them that land to to like develop and and create a lot more. But I've also heard other things of they might be somewhere else. They might go here. They might go there. So, um, are, are there any talks into a new stadium? How where where are they in that? Uh, to be honest, I really haven't been paying attention much since the shelter in place has been happening. Mm-hmm. I haven't been reading up on any articles on anything. But last I saw, they were still trying to make something happen at the Howard Terminal site. Mm. Um, idealistically, in my mind, I mean, I'm no engineer or anything. I think it'd be great if they just got rid of Mount Davis. And then just, you know, kind of did something with the current stadium, or you know, do what do what the Cardinals did, build the stadium exactly right next to the current stadium, mm-hmm. and then just have it at the same site. I mean, there, there's a lot of property out there, but yeah. I mean, I I told my my dad this like years ago. It was like the South parking lot. Like you can you can build the stadium there. The only thing that's holding me back is like there's power lines, like above. It's like I don't know how much it would take to just, you know, make those power lines yeah. like, underground somehow or, yeah. or something or just, you know, build the stadium there instead of like relocating it in a different spot. 
but also like if if you put it at Howard Terminal, it'd be more like some of these other stadiums where they're like smack dab in downtown. But at the same time, if you build the stadium at that same spot, who you can also potentially you know put new businesses there, like what the Giants did, mm-hmm. like when they when they found that site, I was like, okay, well. There's nothing here. Yeah. But it revitalized that yeah. whole area. Yeah. There's so many more bars and restaurants and things to do around the ballpark because, mm-hmm. you know, they built a stadium there and it, mm-hmm. it built this thing of like, oh, there's stuff to do over here now. It's yeah. not just, you know, a little shipyard mm-hmm. or whatever it was. But, I mean, there's so many stadiums now where, you know, they're, they're smack dab downtown and it's all credited to – well, I feel it's all credited to um, – the Orioles, mm-hmm. they're the ones who did that retro stadium type feel. Mm-hmm. It was no longer like the the donut cookie cutter stadium, where it's like okay, multi purpose stadium, mm-hmm. let's just make it happen. Being uh, what is it six six games into it, um, I look forward to a day where I can complete all thirty. Um, I was telling you before we got started. I think uh, this was before we got started um, that. Um, we were looking at completing the entire kind of western part of the United States, uh, Seattle, Colorado, um, um, Arizona. We were looking at completing uh, that for sure this year. Um, we were thinking about sneaking into Chicago to watch the Cubs, but um, all in this year. But uh, other events had uh, different plans in mind and yeah of course it's it's there's definitely a lot more that's important than than trying to uh complete a 30 30 team uh 30 team um journey but um i hope i hope to get there i hope to get there one day and have those stories you do um with that said dennis we were just nearing two hours um uh (laughs) so we're gonna go ahead and uh, call it for now. Uh, I, I hope this is a continuing uh, conversation over the great game of baseball. Uh, but thank you for making the uh, trip down and uh, and um, hanging out and talking some baseball, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun. With that said, uh, I will leave you guys with my favorite quote from Bull Durham. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in, sharing, liking, and subscribing. The difference between hitting 250 and 300 is 25 hits. 25 hits and 500 at bats is 50 points, okay? There's six months in a season. That's about 25 weeks. That means if you get just one extra flare a week, just one, a gork, you get a, a ground ball, you get a you get a ground ball with eyes, you get a dying quail. Just one more dying quail a week, and you're in Yankee Stadium. Give me sports. Give me tacos. Give me the world. The Jimmy Podcast World. Special thanks to Adam Levine.